0: Welcome to Beard.EdChat, where we celebrate learning and teaching, offer support for pupils and parents, and provide development opportunities for staff. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Beard.EdChat. Today, I'm joined by Yasmin Ergenzoy, who is a student teacher at Strathclyde University at the moment. How are you getting on, Yasmin?
1: Yeah, good. Just actually just come out of uni class just now.
0: Just coming out of uni class. So I imagine I'm living through every teacher's worst nightmare at the moment where I'm teaching and there's no kids in front of me. I can't imagine how that must be like learning to be a teacher and there not being any kids in front of you either. How are you finding that at the moment?
1: Yeah, it's uh, not not the ideal situation. But um, we've done a wee bit of online teaching this week or at least observing and they're hoping to get us more into that. Uh, It's definitely a skill as I'm sure you know Yeah. (laughs) Um, and it's not obviously how I'd ideally be starting learning to teach but you know better to learn now and then hopefully use those skills in the future if I need them.
0: But you did manage before the most recent lockdown to get into a school didn't you and do some face to face. What was that like?
1: Yeah so I was on placement uh, for eight weeks. Before mm-hmm. Um I was actually just thinking about this earlier it's quite odd to think I've only ever taught in like a, in a pandemic basically so I've always taught seniors with a with a face mask on or you yeah know, really random things like that that my whole experience of being in a school has been with COVID so it will be quite strange to think that one day one day I'll yeah,
0: be, hopefully some sort of normality and then I believe you're going to be an English specialty teacher in secondary that's the plan isn't it
1: so that's the plan
0: excellent so uh, what I like to do before I normally start Yasmin is that I like to set the tone um, because I'm a firm believer in people working together so teachers sharing and working together is a way to improve teaching and as a result raise attainment as a staff member you feel supported empowered and happier in your job the challenge is convincing people to have the confidence to share um, none of us will ever be the finished article but we can all improve the learning experience of our young people by working together okay so that's the whole idea Bearded chat we're working together we're having a relaxed conversation and we're just picking out good parts from the practice although student teacher just now under overcoming some challenges i'm sure there's some things along the way that we'll be able to pick out and have a really good conversation about okay
1: that's good
0: okay so um not, the first question normally about your career, and the first two respondents have only ever been teachers, but mm-hmm. I, I know that you have done your undergrad that wasn't teaching specific necessarily, and then you did more or less have a career for about, was it about four, four-ish years?
1: Four years, yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
0: uh, at university they went to postgrad. So if you can give me maybe from the end of high school um, your kind of qualifications that you achieved, uh, the degree that you kind of studied, a bit of the background behind your career and now how you've ended up doing your post-grad. That'd be fantastic.
1: Yeah, so I kind of always knew I wanted to study English. Um, If I was going to go to uni, it would be to do English because it was the only subject I really loved. Um, So when it came around to like UCAS applications and everything, um, I just thought, well, I'll apply for that. No idea what I wanted to do with it, just I like English. I'll go study it. Um, Did have a bit of a wobble where I thought, am I going to get a job if I do English? So um had a, a moment where I thought about doing law and then decided that was definitely not for me. Um, so I applied and got an uh, unconditional, ended up going to Edinburgh uni for a four year undergraduate degree in English. Again, like not really thinking about what I was going to do with it, just that I thought it would be fun mm-hmm. for four years basically. Um, and teaching was something that I had kind of in my head and always had like long before even when I was still at school um, but I definitely found a lot of people when I said I was going to study English or I did English people you'd get this kind of thing of oh well are you going to be a teacher then
0: and yeah was- it's it's one of these um, subject specialties mm-hmm. and I think PE is quite similar to that um, during the undergrad so was it purely English or was it an English lit or was it just
1: sure. yeah um,
0: and then during that was there any options to opt into any educational modules or what was that like what was the course format for that
1: i don't think so um if there was they didn't uh they didn't really tell people about it cuz it definitely would have been something i would have picked up on mm-hmm. or was interested in doing but there was never really any educational kind of slant to it or an option to <clears throat> To get into it, um, and in fact, they didn't even really advertise the PGDE towards the end of it. I remember we had a few talks about careers in English, and they actually never really talked about teaching, which I thought was quite interesting because generally, it yeah. is an obvious route.
0: So then, you get to the end of your university career, mm-hmm. and then what happens there? What's the what's the trade off at the end? Where you start going working? Was it with the government for a little bit as well?
1: Yeah, so that I ended up getting a job through an internship. So I did an internship at the with the Scottish Parliament um, in my final semester of my fourth year. Not mm-hmm. thinking I would come into a job, it was just some thought it would look good on my CV. Um, and then they offered me a job and obviously I was quite paranoid about not having a job. So I thought, right, great. And I yeah, enjoyed it. Go. Yeah, uh, and next thing I know it's like three years later and I'm still doing the job, which I really enjoyed. Um, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do forever Mm -hmm. Um, and teaching had always been something that i would kind of thought about but I think I maybe had pushed it away a little bit because there was an expectation of it Um, and I didn't like that that people were like oh well are you going to be a teacher then yeah you know when you're younger you're just like well no I'm not gonna do what you expect
0: (laughs) Yeah. That kinda of, that kind of leads in a little bit section two, but I wanna have we mm-hmm. chat. So see during that when you're working for um the parliament and stuff, mm-hmm. um you said there was kind of like a moment where you kind of realized. Like can you describe what that moment was? Like was there was a kind of realisation, like a light bulb moment, or was it a gradual feeling across time?
1: I would say it was probably a gradual feeling. Um I think I had in the back of my head always known I was going to go into teaching, but in my head I thought maybe it would be more like my thirties or like a little bit later. Kind of maybe have more of a full career before then going into it. Um, But I realized within a couple of years, slowly, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and was like, oh, yes, I definitely want to do this now. But I just Mm. increasingly realized that it was what I wanted to do and I wanted to do it sooner rather than later. And I didn't want to wait until, you know, another five years or whatever. Um, So it just kind of, it was, yeah, it wasn't necessarily like a one day light bulb oh this is it um I think it's something I've known maybe even since I was like still at high school but then yeah it took a while to actually- yeah
0: because I think it's just naturally for life you bench things and then you kind of take like I'm a firm believer of you miss 100% of the shots you don't t- take that's like one of my life models mm-hmm. and then for me I was like I'm being a teacher from like in high school and that's that's was my end goal I had nothing in sight and then it was it wasn't until I got my higher results that um I was mm-hmm. like you know what I'm going to be a PE teacher and then I've never looked back sort of thing uh, and I'm loving every minute of it mm-hmm. Um, so question two there I was kind of one into which is quite good to get in a winner there uh, talked about your career so far and then we kind of talked about how you've always kind of wanted to be a teacher but there was kind of like an expectation where you felt that maybe you had to explore different avenues before you came back which was quite cool and um, so that brings us to your postgrad Um, what's the postgrad been like from start till now like how have you been getting on with it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean it's definitely the best. Like I know it's the best decision I've ever made. Like I'm um, sounds dramatic, but I'm so glad that I've done it. Um, obviously, I wish it wasn't under these circumstances with COVID, mm. uh, particularly because when I applied, obviously I did. I mean, when I got accepted, I, COVID had not quite yet kicked kicked it. Yeah. Um. So I decided that I was definitely going to apply in. I think it was summer twenty nineteen um and obviously because you have to apply through ucas you have to think so far in a, like in advance um of when you're going to do it so i got some experience going into schools at the end of 2019 and then put my ucas application in i think in the december of that year um,
0: and what kind of things were you doing when you're trying to gain a little bit more experience in schools oh, what kind of things were you doing
1: i went um back to my old school because uh, i still was kind of in touch with one of the English teachers there so I basically just emailed her and said I'm hoping to apply to do the PGD would I be able to come in and observe some lessons ended up going for just a week Monday to Friday um from took holiday from my job to go home and do it um and obviously I ended up doing way more than observing I was basically just being like a classroom assistant really for the week Mm. um I also wanted to do it because I thought, what if I get there? You know, what I haven't been in a school at that point since I left school.
0: Yeah. Thought,
1: what if I go in and actually I hate it? You know, <laughs> like maybe, maybe. It's it could,
0: not. Yeah, it could be like you don't want to be in that position. So it was good to get some experience in there.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the minute I went in, I was like, no, this is. This is what I want. Um, when I was I remember I was heartbroken when I left at the end of the week I just and because it was my old school as well, there was a real sense of yeah There so was a
0: bit of a, an emotional attachment there. Yeah, so give us a little bit of an insight to the postgrad course at the moment. Um so we've also had a placement and we'll speak about that in depth maybe later on. Um so from about August time to now, what's kind of been the format? What have you been learning? What have you been doing? Like what's that kind of looking like just now under these circumstances?
1: yeah so it started in mid-august uh online learning and they did say to us at the time everything's gonna be online for now but hopefully we'll get you in uh in october obviously that's not happened Mm -hmm. um so they have split it into asynchronous and synchronous sessions so asynchronous is all the lectures they're all pre-recorded and they're put up onto uh, my place onto the Strathclyde portal basically and you can watch them in your own time you don't have to do them at set times you just as long as you've done it in time for the tutorial mm-hmm. you when you do it which obviously actually I think for a lot of people has worked out quite nicely because it means they can if they're juggling around childcare or other jobs or just their own schedules people can actually do the work at times that suit them rather than having to be in at 10 a.m. or having to you know, come into Glasgow to do it. Um, so in a way, there, ha- there definitely has been more positives to it. Um, yeah. ability there. Um, and then even the things that are at set times, so for example, I was just in a class there at one o'clock, um, it's all via Zoom. So obviously you don't have to, I mean, I live quite central to the uni anyway, but there's a lot of people who don't, and I'm sure I've saved a lot of time and stress because they can mm-hmm. just log in and do their classes online. And, and how I, have
0: you been? So, how have you been managing to kind of try and get that kind of almost like the cohort, like camaraderie, if you know what I mean? Have you been trying? Because I think what I found was really effective for my practice was I was in a cohort of like about hundred people wanting to be PE teachers, and then we had four practical groups from that, and then we had subgroups from that, which was all our presentation groups. And because we got to meet face to face and bounce ideas off each other, uh, almost trade war stories from placement as well. So, but it made us more excited for the job as there have been ways you've been trying to combat against like the negative effects of COVID to try and really get that fire in the belly and try and bounce off and share ideas.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely been the hardest thing. Is that I've not met a single person who's actually on the course with me face to face, which is surreal. Um, Obviously, you kind of feel like you have sometimes because you see all the little faces on Zoom, but um, yeah, there's about 100, or there were about 100, I think it's slightly fewer now, but there's about 100 people doing English, which is a lot of people to meet online. Like, you can't get a good idea of what everyone's like. Um, So there definitely has been, and everyone tries their best to kind of, yeah, still create some kind of community feeling with it. There's a WhatsApp group, um, which is obviously mostly people asking questions, but also sometimes people will just kind of have a bit of a chat and try and feel like you're getting to know people on a more personal level. Um, yeah. I think when we had the we had the recall day, like partway through the first placement, um, which was again online, so everyone just logged in, and it pretty much was just a chance for people to talk about their placement experience and trade stories, and you know, this has happened for me, and that was the first time that I felt like people really you really felt like, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. We've suddenly got this big thing in common, but also everyone's had completely different experiences. Um, I mean, mostly you do just think, I wish this was in person rather than, yeah, but there's definitely, everyone's trying their best. I think to, because we are obviously all having to do this No, you know, we're all trying to do it online and everyone's placement was a little bit different and, you know, nothing's normal because of COVID. Um, there's definitely a sense that we've got to try and like work together to make the most of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's it. And that's the whole point It's working together, trying to making sure that we're getting to some sort of positive outcome Mm. at the end of it. So we're still talking about the postgrad that you're doing just now. So you Mm. talked about 100 people. Is that 100 English, potential Mm. English teachers? That's just purely an English postgrad kind of thing.
1: Yeah, um, I think it was pretty much bang on 100 when we started. I think it's down now to about... 80-ish, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously still a lot of people. Um, I I don't know, but I think English must be surely must be one of the largest cohorts, cause obviously.
0: Yeah, not quite. So at uh, Strathclyde Uni then. So when it's the postgrad course, the specific postgrad course, it's not like a generic sort of course, is it? It's just you. Know, if you go to this one, you'll be an English teacher. This one, you'll be a techie teacher. Mm-hmm. This one, you'll be. One of those that i didn't understand that myself because i didn't go through that process but probably, hopefully that could clear up some things for other people as well uh which was good so let's talk about placement so we've been going through the nitty-gritty of uh, learning and teaching and educational theory and i bet you can get in that through all your lectures and um, but your placements you had a, got to go into school for a placement where was that how did it go
1: so that was at brannock high school in Newark hill um in north lanarkshire and it was, yeah, it was eight weeks. Started end of October, right up until Christmas, um, and yeah, I, I would say like it's not that I hadn't enjoyed uni up till that point, but in the end, it all felt so theoretical and so, yeah, just not why I wanted to become a teacher. Yeah,
0: teaching um, you need to do it in practice. You need yeah. to you need to get that skill sorted.
1: And so going on placement was just. Almost like such a sigh of relief, even though it was obviously like probably the hardest i've ever worked um in my life during those eight weeks. It was just such relief to actually be in school and doing what I was actually on the course to do. Yeah. Um, I think I was very lucky in that I had an amazing placement and the department were so great. Uh, my mentor was great, everyone else in the department they were also welcoming and just keen to give me the best experience and resources and just whatever I wanted. They were just constantly asking, like, what do you need? What do you want? Um, so I was definitely, I know not everyone has great experiences on placement, but I had such a great time there. Like I still, even though it's been a couple of months now, obviously, but I still think about it.
0: <laughs> and I, th- I think that's definitely what someone in your position or a lot of student teachers need. They need positive experiences mm-hmm. of learning and teaching right now because there's such an outcry for teachers at the moment up and down the country. And especially when they're talking about all these recovery plans. So the teachers that we've got in the pipeline, we need to keep them in the job. So it's essential that for us as teachers, we're giving them such a positive experience that we can um, because and I'm I'm hopeful that um, you'll get more experience towards the closer you get towards graduation um, because the more experience you get from placement is definitely gonna help inform your practice for the future.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I would have, there was that little bit of me, because obviously at the end of um, term, we didn't know that the schools were then going to be shutting, well, and not opening again um, afterwards. But obviously at that point, um, I was meant to be going on placement again relatively soon afterwards, which has since not happened because of lockdown and Mm -hmm. everything. Um, But I was just, even though I knew that I would then go on probably to have another great placement, I just had... the experience I had at Brannock was so great. I almost was like, "Oh, but, like I don't want to go somewhere else. I love it here." And obviously, mm-hmm. I know that I'll have a great time at my next school as well. But um, it, I had such a positive experience being there that I just almost couldn't imagine being somewhere else, which is so strange because it was only eight weeks, which isn't very long at all. But I was quite amazed by how quickly you kind of become part of the fabric of the school. Yeah especially at the school it's quite a small one so I feel like you quite quickly get like become a part Mm. of it and part of the community which was which was really nice I still miss it.
0: (laughs) Yeah which it sounds and I like that phrase that you said the fabric of the school because the the way I I see it is that we are all intertwined and the easier that we work together is it makes learning teaching easier and makes your relationships easier it makes your job more enjoyable and you actually probably feel more effective about in your job, and that's the whole point of the chat we're having. Mm
1: -hmm. So thinking
0: about placement just now, um, and the reason I'm saying this is normally this question would normally be about a career, but you've got a unique perspective at the moment where you've had such a positive experience from your placement, and it's inspired you essentially to stay in the job. Mm -hmm. Um, So throughout that placement, uh, was there any particular highlights or memorable moments? Maybe you connected with with a pupil, and um, maybe you felt like there was a piece of work that you really enjoyed teaching and um, was there any particular highlights throughout that?
1: Yeah I would say I mean I felt very lucky in that all of my classes I had taught was teaching a first year, second year, third year and a fourth year class and like they were all there wasn't one that I didn't feel as connected to or as uh, that I, you know that they were all great but um, I would say things that particularly leaped out kind of tied to what I was just saying I was really notice the impact you feel on just a day-to-day basis because mm-hmm. I was only there for eight weeks you know it's not that long um but I'd never been in a school for more than a week before that so to me eight weeks felt like you know a lifetime um so in my fourth year class for example there was one girl it was a really small class There was only about eight of them um and obviously attendance was patchy considering because of covid um so there's only about eight she was basically the only girl in the class and she nearly always would come in just clearly not in a great mood and just it didn't matter what time of day it was what period always seemed a bit kind of just not that happy to be there Mm -hmm. and every time she came she always left that classroom in a much better mood and we know you know she didn't love English. <laughs> uh, not a lot of people do.
0: I am a PE teacher for a reason. I'll tell yeah. you. <laughs>
1: English I think, is probably one of the most hated subjects. But she wasn't, you know, when she was there, it was not like I was trying to make her like English. I was just, I would just ask her, you know, how are you getting on? What are you having for lunch today? You know, oh, I like your new bag. Just totally, you know, really just basic stuff. Not Nothing to do with actual English, but, you could tell that it made such a difference to her that somebody was just make showing that they cared about how she was doing and was glad to see her and was happy that she was in the class um and i always noticed such a difference between when she came in and when she when she left um and there was a couple in my first year class we did a solo talk uh unit which is English is not a liked subject and solo talk is probably the least liked unit you can do.
0: (laughs) I remember at school I was so I mean that was okay, I was quite confident at school but there was still that see public speaking in general, Mm -hmm. it's it's quite difficult, it is difficult and I think people still, uh, unless you're a high-end performer at a gig or whatever, I think you'll maybe get used to that but I think there's still some level of butterflies with these people before they go out, it's a a difficult skill to master yeah. but it's also a skill you need for later on in life because there are always going to be something mm-hmm. you need to present and one of the main things that it will probably be is an interview because you need to be able to sell yourself in an interview so like it is actually something you're going to be preparing people for for the future um, and it is like a basic skill you pick up in school so yeah so solo talk
1: yeah definitely I think a lot of people forget that talk is actually one of is a, a huge part of English Um, And possibly the part that, yeah, is going to be the most important for everybody, because at some point in your life, you'll be in an interview. You know, whatever Mm -hmm. you do, you will be in some form of interview. And obviously the skills you can get from solo talk are invaluable for that. But people hate it. Even the confident kids hate it. I mean, I hated it when I did it. Um, because it is nerve wracking Um, so I I chose to do it I got to choose what unit I was going to do with them and I picked solo talk which was quite a bold choice Um, but actually it was one of the best things that we did because they were first year class and obviously these were the kids that hadn't got to finish their primary seven properly schools had shut because of COVID so they were quite a young first year like you could tell that they were just still looking for quite a lot of reassurance from you a lot of the time. And they, when I said that we were, do, that we were doing solo talk, you could, they were so overwhelmed by it. Um, but we really broke it down and talked a lot about why it was important. And, you know, they came up with all these great reasons about the skills that they would learn from it. And by the end, they all, every single one of them got up in front of the class and did a two minute talk to everybody and took questions. Um, on somebody that they admired, and they were well researched. They were so confident in the way that they carried them out, um, and they were all asking really great questions. And it was just, I felt so proud of them all at the end of it. It was like, oh, well, it was almost emotional because they were just. It was like a completely different class almost compared to how they'd been just a couple of weeks before when I told them that that's what we were going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things that I really noticed. That was just felt like it made. I'd seen such a difference in them in just. A yeah, so
0: like I think I get a lot of value from what I do, um, and I talk about how, well, the moment I became a teacher, or one of the moment, or one of the reasons rather that I became a teacher was I had a lot of experience in the Scouts, a lot of experience in swim coaching and hockey coaching, and there's that moment, and it's like the light bulb moment when someone who thought they couldn't do something realizes they can. It's like that self-realisation moment before they self actualize uh, And I think that moment is just, it's beautiful and it's so natural and it's so rewarding as a teacher. And then that's like the end goal every time. is like every time that someone comes into your lesson, you're trying to learn something new or go through the process of learning something new so you can actually do something. Because I'm quite, I've got quite um, objective in my in my teaching because it's like, there's, really so, there's so many ways you can shoot a basketball, do a forward roll, do a somersault um, and doing them safely. And then because there's certain ways to do it, at the start, most people aren't in a position to be able to do it. But if they go through the processes, they'll know how to do it and they'll actually be able to do it, uh, which is really good. And especially linking things like solo talk to life skills is really advantageous to people, as I feel.
1: Yeah, especially because they're only in first year. Um, so they've got realistically they're all going to be in school for uh, quite a little bit to go and uh, talk is a part of the curriculum so they're going to have to do it at some point and and not all classes do solo talk in first year because it is quite a daunting topic to do sometimes people i think maybe would shy away from wanting to put onto the first years but i think they actually can embrace it in a way because they are maybe that wee bit younger so they've still got that slightly more natural performative streak sometimes mm-hmm. um, and also it is it's going to be a part of not just the school but it's also going to be a part of their life and if they get that practice in and the confidence for it in first year then it's going to be a lot easier when it comes to you know if they sit in the national forum suddenly they've got to be doing talks.
0: Yeah definitely so that brings us into to our next question and I'm sure you'll be answered. You'll be answering these kind of questions in a year's time when you're looking for jobs. Um, so, in your opinion, what makes you a highly effective practitioner? Uh, is there any good practice you'd be willing to share with the viewers? So, you've shared some good practice with your solo talks, which was mm-hmm. great. Uh, but in your opinion, do you have any sort of like um, personal qualities or something that you think you bring to the table?
1: Um, I would say, I mean. Obviously, again, I feel like I have to caveat everything with I wasn't actually in a classroom for that long. But um, I would say something that I always was very keen on making sure was um, just like a consistency uh, in the classroom. Uh, particularly, obviously, because I've only ever taught during the pandemic. So everybody's lives are not, are not the way that they used to. And, you know, even if you have the best setup in the world, it's it's not that great right now um so it's always, it was always really important to me that no matter what was going on they would come, like people who came into the classroom when i was teaching they knew exactly what the rules were what to expect what to how things were going to be just a very consistent environment that they could come into um, especially at a time when there's so much uncertainty and that's not to say you know obviously i would have certain expectations as well but just to know that it's a when you come into that classroom that this is what's happening and this is how you're expected to be but equally you'll get certain things in return as well um Mm -hmm. yeah consistency was such an important thing just really simple rules routines that you knew that that's how it was going to be in that room
0: yeah because it's a big thing when you become fully registered and you'll see you'll know about your uh, standards for provisional registration where it's uh, all about setting high expectations um, for all learners and your routines and your behaviour management it needs to be consistent and is exactly what you're saying there and I think that's a skill that's learned on the job more so uh, from your placements and obviously throughout your career but if you're able to nail that in the first couple of weeks of your placement schools um, then you get the trade-off which is you're having really positive lessons and possibly having a positive experience. And mm-hmm. um, I know that I'm, I've am i learned to do it over time, but I've not had the perfect career in the sense that I've had some lessons where because I've not been firm with the behavior or the positive behavior management side of things and because I've been inconsistent with how I treat certain people, there's been like explosions in the class. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that people find that balance of when it's time to intervene, and when it's time to maintain your consistent standards and make sure that people are following exactly what you're expecting of them because there could be negative effects onto your lesson and in turn, the learning of the pupils in front of you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think I was very lucky in that um, I, was in a di- I was in four different classes, I said, and it was a different teacher for all of them. So I got to witness four different teachers, um, all of whom were very different, but all really great practitioners and so it meant I got to pick up on a wide variety of ways that people were carrying out their lessons and kind of kind of steal ideas I guess from different people see what that would work for me that wouldn't work Um, I like that Um, because obviously slight you know different people are going to do things in slightly different ways and different classes will require slightly different tactics Um, and I feel like I was very lucky to witness some really amazing relationships in classrooms between teachers and their pupils. And I felt like I was, because of that, it made it a lot easier for me to then build those relationships as well. Because obviously it's not that long to be in there, um, but I still felt like I could quite easily and quite quickly kind of become a part of those classes because there was already such a strong basis with the relationships in the classroom. Um, It meant that I could then kind of become a part of that as well which obviously made it a much more positive experience for me, but hopefully also for the pupils when I was then teaching them by the end of the placement.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like relationships, I've mentioned this before, like relationships are such an important factor in teaching right now and even more so due to the current pandemic Um, and then placing more emphasis on what you said about going and observing people. Um, As a student teacher, you're really encouraged to go on observations. Mm-hmm. and then really and do what you do there steal certain things and put it in your teacher toolkit Um, what i'm going to be trying to do once we're all back to normality is really encourage that more in my own practice because i've gotten into a routine where i teach my classes i do my marking and i do all the work that's behind the scenes but there's some really good um teaching episodes being delivered that i'm not seeing because i'm not going on those sort of like walks and having those wee check-ins with my fellow staff because I think it's something that the more you promote it, the more you can actually improve your own practice and each other's practice at the same time.
1: Yeah, I would have loved to get even more observation in, to be honest, and I did obviously observe a lot, um, but because of the regulations and everything that have been put in because of the pandemic, I couldn't necessarily just go wandering around the school. (laughs) Um, they, They did say, you know, normally you could maybe go in see um because there was other student teachers in the school in other departments. So normally we, we would have done more together and maybe been able to see each other's lessons. Um, which obviously I would have found it really interesting to go and see like a maths lesson or chemistry or something else. Um, but because of um regulations, we weren't really allowed to to wander off. So that's definitely something that hopefully mm-hmm. I'll be able to do a lot more of, if not in this next placement. Um definitely in the future when things are a little bit more yeah
0: mind. definitely and question five is quite similar to question four but in a nutshell why do pupils want you to be their teacher
1: yeah I suppose it is is. probably touched on it a wee bit already um, but to me I feel like the most important thing was making sure that the young people coming in know that they matter to mm. me I want them to be in my class um, and so, in turn, hopefully, if they feel like I want them in my class, then they want me to be their teacher, basically, because um, obviously it's a two-way street. Um, and yeah, knowing that no matter what's going on, they when they come into that room, I'm happy to see them. Um, we weren't actually allowed to like stand at the door or anything because of yeah, everything. But metaphorically, standing at the door, smiling, you know, um, no matter what's going on. And obviously, I, especially as a student teacher was sometimes quite stressed and you know, I would think oh my gosh is this actually a good lesson and had bad ex- lessons or whatever was going on but just to make sure that was never they don't that's they never need to know that as far as they're aware i'm always absolutely delighted <laughs> for them yeah. and i want every single every single pupil obviously i didn't pick who was in my classes but to make them feel like I would have picked them to be there, um, mm. so that there's high expectations of them because I want them to be there and I want them to do well. But it's a, you know a compassionate, caring space where I want them to be my pupils. So in turn, hopefully, they would then want me to.
0: Yeah, and that's part of the battle because again, like we're both uh, aware enough that not everyone likes English, not everyone likes PE. Um, now, there's going to be people who don't like your subject and you need to work around it, it's a dance it's a, it's a really intricate dance to get them to participate to be the best them that they can be and I think what you're saying is bang on, regardless of how they feel about the subject, you can't take it personally, you need to raise it up a little bit and really emphasise and really motivate them whether you're using praise and whether you're just really constantly trying to push them and um, giving them the right level of challenge making sure that they're staying on track and um, it's so difficult to negotiate because even more so when you when you qualify teachers have got so many other jobs to do Um on top of it we like have got the well-being check-ins you've got uh, to make sure they're attaining you've got to listen to them when they're upset you've got to and it's all these moving parts within teaching it's not just a case of you're a PE teacher, you're an English teacher, you teach PE, you teach English, It's there's so much more to it and then even more so now when hopefully we'll get back sooner or later in terms of the welfare of the people where I, I do imagine that teachers will be almost um, essentially the, the first wave, we're going to find out exactly um, from, from hand how these pupils are feeling and because that we're going to be in the pits with them, we're going to be teaching them face to face and then that's when we'll really know how much of an impact the current situations had.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think, especially with something like English, which, yeah, not everybody loves, um, but it is one of, I mean, I am biased, but it's obviously one of the most important skills that you can learn knowing how to communicate because it will mm-hmm. come everything you ever do, basically, whatever choices they make in the future, communication will be such a key part of that. But also... In English, some of the best, some of my favourite things, both as a pupil when I did English myself, but also now as a student teacher, aren't necessarily doing close reading or a past paper or writing an essay, but the kind of discussions that come up in an English classroom because you read a book and then next thing you know, there's some discussion about some sometimes really difficult topics can come up like families, relationships, money, bereavement, and I think that can actually be a really good way to, to tap into maybe people who don't naturally enjoy English, but there's still so much that they can learn and take from it and actually really engage with it because these are all experiences that everybody's going to have at some point and very naturally come up in an English classroom. Um, and obviously that comes with its, a whole set of things you have to be quite careful when dealing with those kind of topics sometimes. Um, yeah. But i think that makes it all the more important um and definitely helps to because they are experiences that everybody's going to have either gone through or go through at some point
0: yeah because there's there's an expectation that you need to know your learners i know my school like we've got an emphasis on whether you've got to know if they've got like a learning need and you've got to plan the strategies in place i imagine it could be quite difficult for english if you're having those kind of conversations and you're choosing those kind of texts then if these are going to be discussions that are coming up, you need to almost be tactical on what you're going to be delivering to a certain class almost. That's something that, as a PE teacher, I wasn't necessarily aware of until we are having a wee conversation about that just now, uh, which is really interesting, which I quite like. um, Because it can be quite daunting as a teacher when you're dealing with these heavy-hitting issues and then there's actual some pupils are going through those issues. So if you're not aware and know your learners, as well as you should, that again could negatively impact the process.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And as a student teacher, obviously it's then even not harder, but maybe a little bit more because you don't you have only met these pupils a little bit, maybe a couple of weeks before, and you don't you're not necessarily completely a part of the school yet. Um, so it's obviously even more important to make sure that you're, at, which is why it was great that I had such good staff members in the department with me because they were obviously very. Um, they had great relationships with their kids and they knew the learners so well that they were able to kind of guide me towards anything that I needed to know. Um, but it is definitely, and I'm sure, it's, as you say, it's something that we've all got to consider all the time, but particularly in English where these are topics that can almost come up without you expecting them to because of the way English works, different people take different things from a text. So you might not have even have considered that a certain topic might come up. And then next thing you know, this discussion's been sparked you don't necessarily want to shut that down, but equally you need to be aware of how it might be affecting different people in the class.
0: Yeah. Oh, great. Um, so brings us to almost like the end of the podcast, but this is what we just put in for just for funds. Um I talk about uh, in a blank slate curriculum where everything's on the cards and you could choose anything, what subject would you like to be, or activity would you like to see taught in schools and who would be the person to teach that and why?
1: This is such a hard question. <laughs> okay, so I feel like this is not a great answer because it is basically just English, but yeah. bear with me here. One thing I wish there was more time for in English, and it doesn't necessarily have to be just linked to English, is uh, reading aloud to the class um, because you don't really have time to do that most of the time. Obviously, sometimes if you're reading a book in class, you'll have a period where you're reading it out to them or whatever. But just time to just read not necessarily because you're going to write an essay about it at the end but just reading aloud and um, because there's actually loads of studies and it's something I'm really interested in because the reason I fell in love with English when I was really little when I was at primary school is because I loved reading and so few people young people seem to actually read just for fun just for enjoyment and I think if you can just read aloud to a class, not because they need to write something about it afterwards, not because they need to answer questions or do close reading on it, obviously it helps with listening skills, um, just foundational literacy, vocabulary, comprehension, imagination, like tone, all these things, but it's something that a lot of them, a lot of people will not be reading at home, they'll not be necessarily having people read to them, and I think just having making it a part of life just part of this the classroom that you could just have a period every now and then where it's not any particular goal at the end of it we're just reading someone's reading to you for the period i think is just may seem like an obvious thing to do but actually i think it can build on like so many skills um and also it's not something that just english teachers could do i mean obviously this was still like i don't know how this would work in actual practice but mm-hmm. uh, you know lots of people read, like PE teachers, maths, you know, anyone can could do it, just, in fact, if anything, it would make it more interesting, because then you've got a wide mix of teachers, and their different interests, and the kind of things that they like, um, and I just, obviously, I love reading, because you know.
0: So you're almost looking <laughs> to employ someone to specifically read to a, ta- read to a class, and yeah. then, so you, you've got a lot of people you could choose from, because there's a few people that I would like to, you can just listen to all day, but who do you yeah. think be the best at reading that story
1: yeah I exactly it. i love um audiobooks as well which is basically what i'm trying to mm. basically the idea like real life audiobooks because some people do have like the perfect voice to read but i think it is just i mean there are actually studies that show that um people like attainment does actually go up when pupils are read to like there's been studies into it um but it's more about just having making reading a part of of people's lives and because as I said it's ultimately reading is for enjoyment and obviously I love talking about books as well and analyzing them and that's a huge part of English but actually just the enjoyment of it and the love of reading is what made me get into English and then eventually become an English you know trained to become an English teacher in the first place so it's all about the actual pure joy in reading rather than any kind of grander scheme behind that
0: yeah for sure so who would be the person then who's going to be reading these stories like so there's, if your school for example had to employ one person the job remit is uh, for one period a week they go into Mr X and Mrs Y's English classroom to do some out loud reading who's the who's the person for that job
1: um well he's actually dead, but Alan Rickman has a great voice. Alan
0: Rickman, who could beat Snape? That was oh, its actually made me feel emotional remembering that oh, he yeah. passed away. That was the year when all the major celebrities started passing, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, that would be brilliant. Imagine Professor Snape in your classroom. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine being at Hogwarts, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I totally I totally see why you would think that and why that and the studies side of it which is great, uh, which gives us brings us nicely to the end of the whole podcast, actually, Yasmin. So uh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Oh, and, nice. I, and I really enjoyed your perspective from the student teacher as well. So thank you very much.
1: No, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed
0: it. And that, folks, brings us nicely to the end of another episode of Beard.Ed chat. I particularly really enjoyed uh, when Yasmin was talking about how the Uni setup is and how we've got the mix between asynchronous and synchronous learning. I think it's really essential at the moment as well that we're giving student teachers a positive experience whilst they're on placement, as during COVID it's become apparent that student teachers are going to get less contact time in front of classes. Uh, I particularly enjoyed how she was able to share some good practice and feel really passionate about some of the things that she's delivered whilst on placement and how she was getting that value from her teaching so early in her career. I think it's a great fresh perspective to have on the show and likewise, if you're interested in coming on, please don't hesitate to get in contact with myself at mr lynch93 on twitter and remember beards are not essential but love of teaching is